Well, good morning to you all. It is a pleasure to be here with you. I'm excited to break bread of life with you. Pray that something we share this morning that could be encouraging to your life. Let's open up with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you. You've given us everything we need for life and for godliness. And Lord, we recognize that we are your children. We ask that you would forgive us of every thought, every word, every action, everything that has not matched you to this point. And Father, we pray that we would not only hear what you tell us, but we would surrender to it so that you would be glorified and we would be edified and the devil horrified because we stand together on one accord. And all of those who belong to him said, Amen. One of the challenges that I have as I shepherd uh, people in Houston, Texas, is that I have people who come to church and who are part of the church, but sometimes they don't seem to be impacted by the reality that they belong to the body of Christ. And every now and then I'll have a sermon that I will ask them to ask this question of themselves. Would you be missed? And that's an important question because for all of us, when we think about our churches, would we be missed? In other words, are we just attending or are we truly connected to the body of Christ? And one of the ways that you think about if you're really connected to the body of Christ is to ask a simple question. Am I functioning according to the reality that God saved me to function? Am I useful to God in the way that he intended in my local assembly? One of the things that I like to share with individuals is that if we understand the reality of our salvation, which is comprehensive in itself, we have been delivered from the penalty of sin. We have been delivered from the power of sin and one day soon the presence of sin. But in that deliverance, God didn't just save us from something. He reconciled us to himself. And so in that reconciliation reality, we have been changed from our position from sinner to saint. We've been changed in our condition from being dead to being alive, but for three purposes. God didn't save us to sit sour, sulk, and to wonder. God didn't save us just so we can be in the presence of heaven. God saved us for three key things, and I want us to explore one of those in detail, but two in big picture, because if we can understand the comprehensiveness of our salvation, we would ask and answer the question, no, I will not be missed in my congregation. Why? Because I understand that God didn't just save me to sit. He saved me for something bigger than just to be delivered out of my sin. And there are three realities that we want to ponder, but one in particular today in our text of Ephesians 2. But before we get there, think about this. In your deliverance from the penalty, the power, and soon presence of sin, in the fact that your position has been changed and your condition has been changed, it's for three main reasons. Number one is that you may know him intimately. John 17:3 says, this is eternal life, that you may know the Father and the Son whom he had sent. And that knowing in Greek is not just an intellectual awareness, it is an intimate connection with. Some of us have memorized the 23rd Psalm, but some of us know the shepherd of the 23rd Psalm. John 17:3 is this idea that God saved you out of sin, that there will be intimate, personal relationship with him. Psalm 16 says, in thy presence is fullness of joy, and our right hand are a pleasures forever. So you were saved to know him intimately, but secondly, you were saved to become like him. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18 says, from glory to glory, we're being transformed into that perfect image of Jesus Christ. We were meant to reflect the very character of Jesus Christ in our character, in our conduct, in our conversations, in our commitments, in our commodities, in our communion, in our connections. And everything about us was meant to reflect the very character of Jesus Christ. 
But thirdly, where I want to hang our hat today is you were created to be useful to God. And too often people get confused about what it means to be useful to God. I want to share with you as we look at Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. Being useful to God is tied to relationships. It is not just ministry activity. It is a serving in relationships that will be for you an avenue for God to use you as a vessel of honor in relationships to do some things that will bring the greatest glory to him and the biggest benefit to those around you. I want to encourage you that relationships must not be reduced to our personal satisfaction. It must not be reduced to our personal significance. Relationships were always meant to be bigger than the relationships. And all relationships, if they operate according to this passage, bring the greatest glory to God, the biggest benefit to us and those around us. In the book of Ephesians, looking at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, we begin to break down how you and I, in the context of our lives, in the context of the local assembly and abroad, can be useful to God. The text reads as such, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. And so as we break that down, looking at point number one, we are God's workmanship in Christ Jesus for good works. What does that mean practically? In essence, what it's saying is that in Christ we have been delivered from sin and made into this new spiritual creation. We are not what we were. We have become something different. Our identity is not just tied to where we were. We're now tied to something bigger and greater. I like to say it this way. Yes, we have multi-ethnicities, but we are meant to now operate not in race relations, but grace relations, which supersedes all of the things before us because we are a new creature in Christ. But secondly, in Christ, we have been created to do morally upright tasks that are beneficial to others and glorifying to God. God prepared us in advance for, watch this, a path of work, a a sphere of moral action that is to be accomplished by us who are in Christ. Now, I'm an older guy, so some of you would not remember this, but back in my day, you only had one pair of tennis shoes. Now, some of you have no idea what that means. Because now in your generation, you've got two shoes for jogging, shoes for walking, shoes for hiking, shoes for all of this. We had one pair of tennis shoes, and that one pair was for hiking, jogging, and everything. I mean, and it's amazing. My daughters take me out, and they try to introduce me to the 21st century, if you will. And they say, Daddy, you need to buy these shoes for walking. You need to buy these shoes. I'm thinking, all these shoes for these specific purposes. Why can't we just have the same old shoes? Well, Daddy, it's not like that anymore. And so I got into some uh, Air Jordans, some nice ones. I was like, these are nice, right? And before you know it, now I'm becoming this Jordan guy. I didn't realize I'm coming into the 21st century, and I know that seems weird, but now I like Jordans. And so I've got my grandchildren teaching me all the different kinds. But, man, there's so many different shoes for so many different things. But I began to reflect on that reality, and here's what I recognized. We are like shoes to Jesus. He wants us to fit in so many different places to accomplish so many different things. We need to learn how he designed us, this path of work he has for us. And as we work in that, we become that designer shoe for Jesus, that in certain areas of the world, people begin to see the reality of Jesus Christ as they connect with us. 
And so point number two, as I pull on this, I want you to recognize that we could summarize being a good work unto the Lord or being God's workmanship under good works. We can summarize that that path of work down to two big ideas. And out of those two big ideas, all the details of life as being a good use for God can come together. Point number two is this, this path of work, this sphere of moral action can be summarized in two basic roles, which we can see as our responsibilities in Christ. When you look at Ephesians 2, 10, it says we are his workmanship in Christ Jesus for good works. You can summarize it down to these two basic realities. Point one is this. In Christ, we are to function in the role and we have the responsibility of being an ambassador. What is an ambassador? One who represents Christ to the world while presenting the gospel of Jesus Christ to unbelievers. It's the kind of relationship where you recognize that you're connecting with someone who does not belong to Jesus, and so you become the light and dark place. You build relationships for the glory of God in that through that relationship, not as you work, but as God wills, perhaps as you demonstrate the character of Jesus Christ, as you walk in that and you give the gospel of Jesus Christ, someone may come to Christ because of that relationship you've built. But secondly, in Christ, we are to function in the role and the responsibility of being a builder. What is a builder? One who spends his life helping other Christians grow to maturity in their character and in their faith in Christ Jesus. See, if you think about this work that we have been called to, you can base the work in two basic relationships you are to have with everyone around you. If someone does not belong to Jesus Christ, you were meant to be an ambassador to build the kind of relationships where, they, again, they see your character, your conduct, your conversations, your commitments, your commodities, your communion, and all your connections. They see the very glory of Jesus Christ and the way that you connect with them. And through those relationships, if God wills, they get saved. You are to be connecting with those who belong to Jesus Christ and such a way that you help them grow in their character and grow in their faith. See, when you think about Ephesians 2.10 and you, you summarize it, in every way you are either an ambassador or a builder, and when you function in that, you are walking in the works which God prepared beforehand for us to walk therein. We can be ambassadors and builders as a single person. We can be ambassadors and builders as married people. We can be ambassadors and builders as family members, as American citizens, as foreigners, as co-workers, as people in authority, as people under authority, and even as people equal in authority to others. This is a reality that you and I have. And when we think about Ephesians 2.10, as we're wondering where we're going in our lives and and what our ministries hold and and what we're going to do for Jesus, you can recognize that in whatever you're doing for Jesus, the ultimate agenda is this. You will be an ambassador and you will be a builder everywhere you place your feet. The good work that God designed in advance comes back to those realities that in some shape, form or fashion, whether it be parachurch or church, all to the glory of God, coming back to the church, you were meant to glorify him through being an ambassador and being a builder. But the third point I want us to think about is this. Our path of work, our sphere of moral action in Christ can be carried out in some very simple ways. The more we see ourselves in light of these realities, the more we think about ourselves in this way, it helps us to recognize that there's not so much complication in this thing called ministry. One of the things I like to tell young people as they come to my church, please remember it, I tell them too much analysis leads to paralysis. You can make so many things so complicated where God has simplified it. And again, I tell people, I'm not that smart, just the Bible is that clear. 
And the moment we come to the Bible with the clarity that it has and we start to operate in that clarity, we recognize that our role, it really is about relationships. And, and if I could put it to you this way before we look at this next part, when I preach on Ephesians 4 and I have people coming and they're looking for mentorship, I said, listen, let me give you the three C's of Ephesians 4 around verse 11 to verse 16. I said, we, we see that there's a calling to leadership. We, we see that there is a character development that needs to happen, but there's also some connecting going on. And so I'll put it to them this way. There is character development, there is connecting, and there's your calling. But I want you to notice between your character development and your calling is a connection. And that connection are relationships. You cannot grow in your character without connecting in genuine relationships. You cannot fulfill the calling that God gave you without connection through relationships. It is your character and your calling that will always be fulfilled by connecting in relationships with others for his glory and your ultimate good and the good of those around you. With that in mind, point number three, our path of work, our sphere of moral action in Christ can be carried out through these three things. Please hear me well. Meeting needs, real simple, with the intent of using that opportunity to function in our role as an ambassador builder. There are so many needs around us, so many people who are hurting and need something from you, some form of mercy, some form of benefit, that you could use that as an opportunity if it's an unbeliever to function in your role as an ambassador. You can use that opportunity if they're a believer to function in your role as a builder. Because either way, where the need is, you become the vessel of honor to begin to walk in a manner worthy of God to be that work that he prepared beforehand, that here is that individual, they need something from you. And whatever that is, am I dealing with a believer or an unbeliever? If it's an unbeliever, it becomes an opportunity to show them the goodness of God and to provide for them the gospel of Jesus Christ. If it's a believer, it becomes an opportunity now to share with them and give them what they need so that through that need, we can help them grow in their character or grow in their faith. That's one avenue by which we can carry out this work of being ambassador and builder. Second avenue is speaking the truth in love with the intent of using that opportunity to function in our role as an ambassador and builder. If it's one thing that's needed in this world is the objective standard by which we measure reality. That's the definition of truth. And the objective standard by which we measure reality comes in twofold. One, it comes through Jesus Christ who says, I am the way, the... Amen. And then he says, sanctify them in truth, thy word is... We have an opportunity to talk to people around us, to show them the character of truth and to speak the reality of truth, using it as an opportunity to be an ambassador for those who don't belong and a builder to those who do belong. But then thirdly, We can build relationships with the intent of using that opportunity as a function of our role as an ambassador builder. Do you know that the most precious thing you have in life is not what you own, but who you're connected to? You will discover as you get older, you will have way more capacity with relationships than you will ever have with money. I remember when I was young in the ministry and I was working through some challenges of learning what real ministry looks like versus the idea I had in my head. And I'd gotten to my first ministry job. And in that first ministry job, it didn't go so well. And I found myself broke and without a job trying to figure out what to do next. And as I was sitting there trying to figure out my next move, my friend said, hey, man, let's go to L.A. I said, hey, man, I don't have any money. He said, I didn't ask you if you had any money. Let's go to L.A. I said, and again, I say to you, I'm broke, bro. I don't have any money. 
He says, I didn't ask you. And what I realized is that my friend had a ticket for me and he got me in the car with him, put me on a plane. We went to his family in L.A. and they stayed somewhere near Venice Beach. I'd never been to California before. And we had such a fellowship and we got involved with other uh, brothers and sisters in the Lord. And I had no money, mind you, but I was doing all these things broke. How many of you know what it's like to really be broke? Anybody out there know what it's like? No? Am I talking to the wrong crowd? But here's the reality. That relationship plus others showed me the value of relationships supersedes the reality of money. You and I have an opportunity to build the kind of relationships with people that will take us further than would ever go with resources. Building relationships is the avenue by which God will have us to grow this world for Christ. What am I saying? If you look at the ministry of Jesus Christ, two-thirds of his ministry was interpersonal. Only one-third was public proclamation. And yet we're called to bear the image and to reflect the ministry of Jesus Christ. So I want you to think about this. Right now, Ephesians 2.10, you're ambassadors, you're builders. You have an opportunity where there's a need to meet the need so that you can be an ambassador to those who are unbelievers, so that you can be a builder to those who are believers. You have an opportunity where truth can be put on the table to speak that truth in such a manner that it can be an avenue to give people the gospel of Jesus Christ or help people grow in their sanctification. You are always in a position where you can build relationships with other people for the purpose of being an ambassador, of being a builder. There was this great, great violinist who wanted his violin to never be used, but only to be put on display after he died. And so at his wishes, these particular individuals who knew him well put his violin on display to never be used again. The problem was that as soon as it was stopped being of use, it began to decay. Its exquisiteness of it began to die. And that instrument was no longer useful. It lost its meaning. You and I were never meant to be put on display. You and I, until the day it is done and we're in the presence of God, were meant to be about building relationships. Please don't confuse ministry activity with relationships. I have seen churches and people do everything for the glory of God for a ministry activity while they are killing each other and mean to each other and saying, look what we did for Jesus. God is not interested in us getting the work done. He's interested in us being done through the work. And the moment we get the work apart from relationships, we've missed the reality of what it's all about. Ministry is about relationships. We have this workmanship that we have been given so that through that workmanship, we've been created in his image again through our salvation experience. We were meant to build relationships so that through those relationships, someone is saved and someone is growing to Christ's likeness. Consider these words from Paul Tripp. He says, we were never made or remade to live for ourselves. We were created for transcendence. The borders of our lives were always meant to be way bigger than the borders of our lives. When we live this way by his grace, we not only become a part of the most important work in the universe, but we're given back our humanity. My question to you, my brothers and sisters in Christ, are you ready 
to operate at his workmanship for good works? Are you ready to recognize that it goes way far than preaching a sermon or teaching a discipleship class? It's about building relationships with people that through those relationships, God is glorified. Your brothers and sisters are edified. Others are sanctified and that they're saved and the devil horrified because we stand together on one purpose and one intent for his glory. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. You've given us everything we need for life, for godliness. And I pray, Lord, that as we see ourselves, not as those who are in ministry, but those who are in relationship with you and through that relationship, you want us to build relationships with others as ambassadors and builders, that we would take the heat of this passage and move forward for that purpose. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.